welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and with me as always is Court Winsett. Hey, Katie. And Cameron Spann. Zoom, zoom. Are you giving a hint to what this episode's about? I always do, and that's what I do. <laughs> yes, we have an exciting episode. We have a guest this episode, and I'm going to go ahead and introduce him. We got Jeremy Bumpus. Thanks for having me. And we're going to tell you a little bit about him in a little bit, but you know, guys, we got to start with our list. This is going to be an episode about cars, and so this is a list of the greatest car movies ever. Jeremy's probably going to throw out some other ones because this was just off of the interweb, so who knows? I'm actually pretty excited about this list because, quite frankly, it feels like it's been at least a minute since the last time we did some good old movie lists. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, okay, (laughs) just saying. Okay, we'll round robin this. So the first one is, and this is not in any particular order, we got Taxi Driver. Yeah, is that really a car movie, though? It is a taxi, which is a car. Mm. Okay, <laughs> let's go clockwise. I'll go next. Okay. Um, Mad Max Fury Road. Now, those are some gnarly cars. Yeah, absolutely. Jeremy, hit the next one. Let's see. The Italian Job. I don't know that one. Uh, uh, Mini Coopers. Yeah, I mean, there are the Maybe case, so that's there are, why I don't know that yeah, one. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> there are two versions of The Italian Job. Uh, and, of course, the only one that I've seen is the one with Mark Wahlberg. But they do some fantastic driving in those little Mini Coopers. Little it's Mini pretty Coopers, fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, number four is Cars, which is really, honestly, it's one of my least favorite Pixar movies, if I'm being honest. It's the only Pixar movie I have not seen. Yeah. Oh, just... I like Mater. He's okay. cute. <laughs> so every single Fast and Furious movie ever made, which there's what, like 12 of them now? I, I, think, I think there's nine. about to be 11. Uh, yeah, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, anyway. they're up there. They're keeping them going, too. We actually had one of our cars on one of those movies. I forget which one it was now, but a background scene. And we had a recent conversation about possibly building a car for an upcoming Fast and Furious. So, wow. A little bit of history with that movie. What kind of car was it? So, the car we had on there was a 66 Chevy 2. And we restored this thing years ago, back when you were doing modern LS conversions. And it was one of the first ones we did. And we're like, how in the hell are we going to get this engine into this car and make it work? That's not going to work. But somehow we did it back then and we made it work. And car looked really cool on there. I'll say that. That's awesome. Very cool. Camera oh, hero. It's me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Bullet, which I have not seen. So well, I'm sorry. <gasps> oh, my. Mm. We need to oh fix Lord. that. I mean, that, that's the one with the classic Mustang? Yes, yeah. Mustang. Okay. Yep. All right. Is that me? Yeah. Yes. All right. Now, this is my favorite one Days of Thunder. And I'll tell you about this one. My wife hadn't seen it. I didn't know anything about this. We actually watched this last night. Oh, cool. I was like, I was going through watching old movies like Major League and Major League Two, and I was like, oh, Days of Thunder. And I had those little die-cast cars like the Hot Wheels, and uh-huh. they used to bang off the wall so much in the movie, I had no paint on any of those cars because I used our brick fireplace, and I would use it as the wall of the turns, just <laughs> yeah. brruh, 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 bouncing them off the brick. So, yeah, that was, I love that one. <laughs> awesome. I like to think you watched Days of Thunder last night because you were doing homework for this podcast. <laughs> I'm just going to tell myself that. Yeah, you, yeah you, we can do that. That makes you feel good about it. <laughs> okay, next one. This is a movie of shame for me. I'm T- Talladega Nights, which it's not a movie of shame because I haven't seen it or anything like that. But a lot of my friends who are movie fans and movie files and whatever else love to quote this movie. And every time they quote this movie, I just stare at them blankly. Because, yes, I saw it. But, no, I don't remember any of the quotes. Shake and bake, baby. Shake and bake. All I, remember, up on Mountain Dew. all I remember is, dear baby Jesus... <laughs> Help me, Tom Cruise. I'm on fire. <laughs> Do y'all remember? Coming to you like a spider monkey. You remember Ricky Bobby's kids' names? Two boys? No. Oh. Walker and Texas Ranger. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> 
Oh, goodness. Okay, Ford versus Ferrari. This was a good one. I liked it. I watched it one Sunday morning. It went in one eyeball and out the other, I guess. I mean, I just I have very little recollection of it. But yeah, I mean, classic story retold. And so, you know, you gotta, you gotta like it some, right? I'm getting the ones I've never seen. The Art of Racing in the Rain. I loved this movie, actually. It was with um, Milo Ventimiglia. He plays a race car driver. You know, he's not on, like, one of the major circuits. He's trying to work his way up to one of the major circuits or, or whatever they call him. So he, he marries a woman who is very supportive of his racing career. And the big thing is, the, the, the big shtick of the movie is that he is almost preternaturally talented in driving in the rain. So if rain hits a racetrack, that's when he excels. It's game on. Grand Prix. Now, was, was that the Clint Eastwood one? That's Gran Torino. That's Gran Torino. That's right. Why do I not know this movie as much as I know about cars? I don't I don't remember that one either. I'm just trying to get down to Smokey and the Band. I know, I know. <laughs> well, go ahead and take I, I'm it. The, I'm not a big movie guy, so those, um, you know, the older ones I know about for sure. Smokey and the Band. Yeah, man, how do you beat that? That's Classic like, Trans Am. Absolutely. Yeah. You cannot beat the story. I, I love everything about that movie, but yeah, that Burt one that gets me going. Uh, okay, so the next one is Need for Speed. And the only thing I know about Need for Speed is that it was a line in Top Gun. So that's that's all I can say about that. <laughs> I would imagine it's a movie about racing. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe. Uh, probably. I don't know the next couple of ones. Yeah, listen. We're getting deep here. Let's just jump to Baby Driver. Baby Driver, yeah. Baby. Was... Yeah, no. Baby Driver was um, that kid's name who I can't... Ansel Elgort. Ansel Elgort. That, was, that was an Edgar Wright movie. And uh, extraordinary chase scenes in that movie. Extraordinary. The driving that's done in that movie, the stunt driving done in that movie is amazing. Uh, and also, it's it's classic Edgar Wright. And Thelma and Louise. Okay, yeah, that's an epic car scene, for sure, going off. Yes. <laughs> Thelma and Louise will always be, like, my disappointment yeah. of a movie. I hate the end. I know that that's the part you're supposed to love, but I hate the end. I'm like, why? You, you could have kept running. The thing we did an episode a while ago about our dream cars, and I always wanted an Eleanor um, from Gone in 60 Seconds, which is not on this list. Which is um, crazy. Why isn't that on this list? I don't know. I loved Gone in 60 Seconds. Okay, and then right. I loved how Angelina Jolie changed, like, you had lipstick or you had leather, depending on which car she was boosting. We have a real celebrity here because you've told us you've got cars on Fast and Furious. You're talking about future stuff. So, Jeremy, kind of tell us about what you do now. And then we want to go through and hear your background and what's going on. Yeah. So what I do now is a couple of things, actually, I guess. I've got a restoration shop. I call it a restoration shop. We're basically modifying the crap out of everything. But we're building a lot of high-end cars. We're a one-stop shop, so we do everything in-house. So if somebody brings us a car, we can take a rust bucket where there's nothing there and leave turnkey and it never leaves my building. So, you know, it's, it's good to have a good team of guys that, that do that. And, um, it's a lot of fun. I'm excited that I get to do that every day. And then I host a television show on Motor Trend. It's called Car Fix on Saturday mornings and where we do kind of how to teach people how to do it. And we're, we're a little different in that sense that, um, we're not one of those shows where you flip it on and you go, Hey, I'm going to show you how to bolt on a carburetor today. Well, you know, it's four bolts and some linkages and that's all you do. A couple weeks ago, for instance, myself and my co-host Brian Fuller, we uh, cut the top off of a 49 Cadillac and chopped the top six inches and metal fabricated and TIG welded. So, you know, we get a little deeper into some of those things. And um, I think that's what makes our show so good. How'd you get started in this? Well, it started, which back then everybody thought was just the most ridiculous thing. But with me, it started with mini trucking. So back then, 
when I was in school, everybody wanted a Ford Ranger or they wanted an S10 or they wanted a Nissan hard body truck. And I look back on it and I think like, why were we, I had a 68 Camaro sitting in the driveway. <laughs> so why did I want one of these trucks? Well, looking back on that, I think a little bit is they were inexpensive. We could fix them up for not a lot of money. So we were lowering them, getting a, you know, a used set of wheels and whatever. Next thing you knew, I had them in mini truck and magazine and street trucks and stuff like that. And I was going, wow. And then these more old timer guys started coming by going, hey man, will you, will you do my hot rod or will you paint my hot rod? And at that time, I wasn't even really looking at that. So it started with me with the mini trucks. And uh, it's funny, it's come full circle because the guys that are my age now that have saved up some money, that's what they want to build. They want to build <laughs> mini trucks. So they're dumping tons of money in these cheap trucks. And then I went on to build a 67 Mustang, which is still sitting in my showroom, probably 20 years ago. Uh, did air ride. It's on the ground. It's 700 horsepower. It's did it in a two-car garage, painted it in the garage, did everything. Took it around, been on TV, magazines, you know, all that stuff. And once I built that car, it just took off. That car got me TV. So, you know, I'll have somebody come in and go, hey, what do you take for the car? Or make an offer, and I've got my wife back there going, that car's not going anywhere. <laughs> nope. It's like the holy grail. Yeah, so it just it sits there, and I'll drive it every now and then. But I'd say mini trucks, that's where it started for me, which everybody back then was like, man, you kids are so stupid. Like, why, are you, why are you building these trucks? But anyway, that's, yeah, that's where it started. Okay, so what's the name of your shop? Okay, so this is fairly easy. It's the hot rod shop. Hey. And most people are like, um, why? Why just the hot rod shop? But actually, if you Google it, there's not that many. So, ah. yeah, we just we just kept it at that. And go ahead and plug us the address. So the address is 2019 Highway 72 East Annex in Corinth, Mississippi. So if you're on Highway 72, like blasting from Memphis to Birmingham, you're going to pass us. So, yeah, yep. stop and I, check I us out. I passed you yeah. when, when y'all came in, and I was like, oh, wait, I think that was the shop. <laughs> yeah, so many people pass us, and they never even realize we're there because we don't have stuff out at the road, you know, like, come in and see us because we have so you know we'll have people stopping in all day long to see us and you know talk and not next thing you know i've spent eight hours talking to people all day and not working on anything so we try to keep low-key a little bit but yeah it's uh once once people see us they're definitely stopping in it's it's more like a, a museum at the end of the day or showrooms up there you know and you drive by and we've got the green superbird sitting in the front which is super rare so somebody sees that wing they're like oh my god i gotta stop and go in so it's just it's all day long Thanks. And so how'd you end up in Mississippi with your shop? Because, you know, I've heard you say you've got this guy in Tennessee, this. So was Miss, are you like claiming territory? I got Mississippi? No, no, no. <laughs> so we, we've got we've got a couple around us, you know, that are they're, they're a bit more low key than we are. But um, there's there's a lot of shops in Tennessee. Very good shops there. The way this kind of worked out was a really good friend of mine started this shop 30 years ago. So it's been in business for around, you know, for around 30 years. And I started working for him 20 years ago. Well, as I was doing that and building cars at home, I was working for him, building those cars. We were getting that recognition. Then TV opportunity came. So I, I left and went and did that. Well, then I got an opportunity to, to basically buy the business back. I, I was already doing my own thing on the side. You know, I, it was it, at that time was Bumpus Ride Shop. And that's the way that was going to go. But um, I liked the building, the location. You know, I was able to pick up the employees that I had worked with for so long. There's one guy that I worked with. We've been together for 20 years. Another one, you know, for 10 or 12 years. So I was able to kind of, at the time, I, I didn't know how smart that was or not. But I'm, I'm happy I did it. I did it that way now, but that's kind of how the, the shop happened. And so how many people do you have on staff now? So we normally keep about six. Um, you know, I think ideally I could have 40 
you know, but, um, you know, I think eight or 10 is a good number. Like I said, it's just hard to find those. It's hard to find those guys, you know? So we keep it around six tight knit group. That way, you know, we can kind of oversee everything and make sure the builds are where we want them to be. Did you teach yourself? How to do everything? A lot of it in the beginning, that's how it worked out. I've got an uncle who is a body guy and a painter. So once he started painting stuff, I was fascinated with that. So I tried to start teaching myself some stuff and I, w I was doing that in the garage a little bit. And as it started to take off, I was like, man, I need to know more. I wanna be better. I wanna be Chip Foose. I wanna Boyd Coddington. I wanna be one of those guys. So um, I enrolled at VC Tech at that time was in Pelham, Alabama. And that's just basically was a branch off of Wyo Tech which they're a big branded school, you know, but all the instructors were from WildTech. So, uh, and my co-host, Brian Fuller, actually came in and built a bike there, and that's when we met all those years ago, too. So when I got there, we did a lot of TIG welding, metal fab, pinstriping, custom paint, upholstery, and I kind of, I went through every aspect of how to build a car and walked out of there, you know, a little more than entry level, I think, because I knew a little bit before I went in, but it really kind of honed my skills in enough that I knew I could go build cars for the public. So you really can do every aspect of a car? I can take a car by myself if I needed to, uh -huh. and I can start with a rust bucket and I can give you a key back and nobody can touch it but me. I'm thankful for my guys because I don't like to wire. Okay. You know, I, oh gosh, I hate it so bad. You know, it just, I don't know, I can do it, I can do it well, but I can't stand it. So, you know, I've got guys that'll wire and um, guys that'll do the rough in body work for us and, and get that kind of critiqued and metal work. And luckily for me, I kind of get to jump in and I hate, I hate to say it, I'm cheating a little bit, but I, I just get to jump in and do a lot of the fun stuff now, which is great. What's yeah. the fun stuff to you? The fun stuff to me is metal fabrication. I love that. I love doing upholstery. Okay, hold on. Explain to us what metal fabrication is. Okay, so... Basically, let's say for instance right now, I've got, um, this is a, a lot newer truck than we would normally build. I've got an 89 OBS truck in there that we're building for a guy actually out of Memphis. And we're building a very high-end like modified truck. So for instance, we've pulled the dash, we've pulled everything out. So I'm gonna build a dash out of sheet metal from a flat piece of nothing, essentially. Wow. So, you know, we'll English wheel it, we'll uh, power hammer it or, you know, whatever we have to do there, TIG weld it all up, and we'll build him a one-off dash in that truck that nobody else has. Um, same thing for, you know, stretching fenders if you're trying to make some clearance or shaving door handles. Th those are small things, but you get into, we've got one, a Hudson right now, that we're going to stretch the cab six inches, we're going to chop it three inches, we're going to bring the front fenders into the doors. Well, all that happens in metal. That's kind of where all that magic starts. And then once you get it in metal, you take off from there, but that's where it really starts and begins to happen. I mean, I'm very impressed. And I know from conversations you and I have had, you know, we think about there's so many professions, like there's so many real estate agents out there, but in your profession, is there a lot of you out there that can do everything? I don't think much anymore. Like uh, some guys that I'm close with, for instance, like uh, Tim Strange in Tennessee, you got Jason Graham in Tennessee. They build some very high-end hot rods and they do everything by themselves. They don't, they almost don't want anybody in there with them. And I know a handful of those guys that, that can do it by themselves. But yeah, I think it's very rare now. I don't think people, especially the generations, you know, millennials, Gen Zs, all that stuff. It just seems to me like they don't have the dedication to want to learn how to do everything. Or what I would do is if we were trying to do something, trying to build something, and I didn't know how to do it, I would go home and I would try to figure it out at home. Mm -hmm. 
I don't see people really doing that anymore. It's unless you'll stand over them and babysit them and do it, they're they're not going to go home. They're not going to go buy a sewing machine and go home and try to sew or stuff like that. So I, I think that's that's hurting it a little bit. Just the the work ethic, I think. So yeah, the demand is definitely there because you know we've got twenty restorations going. Just your shop. Just just in there, which is way too much work. And, you know, you can't find the qualified people to be able to do that level of work. Mm -hmm. It's it's a little bit different in like the collision industry or just being an everyday mechanic or, you know, like with the body and paint guy, you know, you find somebody that might be specific to something, then that's all they can do. And then that quality might not be up to the level we're building. It's just so hard to find those guys. Mm -hmm. Um, So we struggle with that a lot. Most of the people we bring in now we we do have to train them typically, which is harder now because you know if I had somebody like a Chip Foose or a Boyd Coddington or anybody, I would have apprenticed and been thrilled. These guys nowadays, it's can you pay me thirty dollars an hour and show me how to do it? And you know, it's like <laughs> no, <laughs> don't think so. I know your bread and butter is obviously restoration, which is older cars, but I have to ask, have you had to touch the newer electric cars like Teslas or Rivians? The only one that I've actually touched as far as working on, well, there's a couple. There's one that may interest you a little bit. Um, I just did some collision stuff on a Tesla because it was a guy that we had built some cars for and he he didn't trust anybody else to do it. Just getting into that, just you know, get, getting into removing the headlights and the bumpers and just doing stuff, I was like man, this is why I do not do this, you know? (laughs) On the flip side to that, we have an episode that we filmed last season on Carfix where we took a Cougar, a 60s Cougar, and did a Tesla swap in that. Now, Brian Fuller, my co-host, he's got that build at his shop where they're finishing it. So that, to me, is really interesting. And there's a shop in Florida called Electrified Garage. I don't really know these guys. Uh, We did a little bit of TV with them unbelievable they're doing tons of tesla swaps the last year they were doing a lamborghini where they were tesla swapping that what? wow unbelievable now the thing that i've kind of understood with it if tesla gets word of this and i don't know <laughs> if this is true there might be some tesla people out there that would know this better and they get word that you've swapped this thing they can still shut that thing down and you can't drive it i don't know if that's true or not but man if you put that kind of work into it and that happened I would think it would be like anything else. You can make it a standalone unit and nobody could touch it. But, yeah. you know, that would be my my theory on that. But yeah. I'm not sure. But, th- yeah, I mean, they're, they're cool. I, I like the Teslas. I like it if uh, you're probably just running around town. Mm-hmm. You want to go fast really quick. Yeah. You know, because instant <laughs> torque right there is unbelievably fast. Last night, I got to drive my buddy's Rivian truck. And he's like, okay, just stop on the road. So I stopped. And he's like, when I say go, you put the pedal to the metal. And I did. It was the most insane experience. <laughs> it's like a free fall from a roller coaster. Like everything in your body tells you to stop. Yeah. But it's awesome. I was like, can I do it again? He's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's unbelievable power. That's what I like about them. I think that's great, you know, and I think for running around town, like I said, it's great. Other than that, I guess we'll have to see where it goes because I, I don't really, I guess because of what I've done, my history, I'm not necessarily in love with all of it because I love the combustion engine of course. and all, all we can do with that. But I think as time goes on, these things are going to get better. Hopefully they'll get more distance out of them. And, you know, think hopefully it'll get better maybe. And I, I'm not in love with the electric vehicles or whatever, but I was just asking because I imagine they're a nightmare to work on because it's just one big computer. Yeah. Well, what scared me about the one that we were doing? So under the Teslas, it's a huge battery pack under the floor, you know, going basically front to back. It's this, it's huge. So when you pull it out, you actually have special gloves that you have to wear 
even if it's not hooked up, you know, or there's no power to it, because I can't remember exactly the voltage, but you know, it's 400 and something volts. If you touch it and it's powered, you're done. Mm. So to me, they're really, as of right now, it's scary to work on. But, you know, if you have the proper equipment and you really know what you're doing, I just don't know enough about them yet. I've tried to, you know, dig into them a little bit, but we'll see where that goes. I, th I think it's going to be more swaps. I, I think SEMA this year, I figure we'll probably see more like electric crate mm -hmm. engine type swaps. Um, I think that's probably coming. So, yeah, we'll see okay, what happens. So what's SEMA? Okay, so SEMA is an con automotive convention held in Vegas that if you have not been, you have got to go at least one time in your life. I think we walk probably 15 miles a day. It's a four-day event. And in all those days, I don't think you see everything. <laughs> wow. <Whoa. laughs> yeah, it's, it's really unbelievable. So basically, it's every aftermarket company. Well, not even aftermarket. Like, you know, Ford, Chevy. I think Ford pulled out this year. But all the dealerships normally have a booth there. Ford normally would have something outside where you could go test ride in like a new Raptor. You could go jump a hill with it. You know, they'd have ramps built. So cool. Um, every new aftermarket product is that's basically where it's debuted and you get to go see it first there. It's really unbelievable event. We've got two builds going this year, which taking one is insane, but we're thrashing to get two there. Uh, we've got three, I think already lined up for next year. So typically in our industry, people are working toward trying to have something there. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, a big deal. So all year long, people are thrashing on these builds just to try to get to SEMA. So, and that's what we've been doing this year and I, I'm exhausted from it. And so you, you'll pick up business from people seeing you there? Yeah. So typically that will happen. You'll pick up some business. But for me, it's more just getting to connect with all of these companies that we work with. You know, there's so many companies and sponsors and stuff that we have. And then with the TV side of things, that's a whole nother world of, you know, sponsorship. So it's nice to go, you know, shake hands and have a drink with those people <laughs> and chit chat and Keep some good relationships, you know, because um, that, that stuff helps out a lot in this industry. As a business owner, what would you say is the most challenging aspect of this field of work? I think basically having employees and, and having to make sure that that quality is there, knowing I'm not the one most sometimes doing it. Mm -hmm. So you might have a week go by or maybe I'm gone filming for two weeks and I've got to depend on those, those guys to do that work. Luckily for me, most of the time they do. So you don't ever film at your shop? No. So we do some YouTube stuff at the shop, you mm. know, because I'm I'm being told that's what I should be doing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I was so anti-social media and YouTube, and so I just didn't want to do it. I just couldn't stand Facebook. I just couldn't stand this stuff. Mm -hmm. Now I've, I've, I've adapted, and, and we've, we've been running pretty strong with it. So we've started the YouTube. That's about all we film there. We've, mm. we've discussed with some production companies about doing something. So that, that could be in the future. It's kind of interesting. Twice now, you've you've sort of given your startup story, you're building your business story, and you've said, and then the TV thing happened. Like that happens to everyone. So I'm real, I'd, I'd like to dig a little bit deeper into Wait, exactly how the TV thing happened. Yeah, it's funny how that worked out because I'll give you a little background on me, I guess, for how this happened because I never thought I would do this. So I went to school to be a teacher, an English teacher. Mm -hmm. Well, I remember in college having to get up in front of the class and just talk in front of the class, maybe 30, 40 people. I literally couldn't do it. I was scared to death. I was sweating bullets. I would take an F over getting in front of that class. So, you know, I never thought about TV. 
So that Mustang that I referred to, back then we took it to like a good guy show. It won, uh, you know, a big award there. And I had a guy come up that said, hey, have you ever thought about doing any TV stuff? And I was like, no, I've never thought about doing that. He said, well, we've got kind of a position open. Why don't you make us just a short video, you know, 30 seconds around this car and just email it over to me and, uh, and we'll, we'll talk. And I said, okay, I could do that. So I got home. I pulled the car in the shop. I was building a console for it at the time. So I kind of walked around the console. It's like, this is what I'm building. I sent it in. It's the most awful thing I've ever watched. And I hope it never, never <laughs> comes out anyway. Uh, yeah, because it's, uh, oh my God, it's so bad. <laughs> but they called me back. And the very next week, I was already making TV. That's just how quick that happened. Mm. Um, now, what's funny, when I, was, uh, I got hired on Truck Tech, which was Power Nation TV. That was the sh- those were the shows that I grew up kind of watching. It was Stacy David then, my good buddy Kevin Tates. Um, they were on that truck show. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm getting to fill these guys' shoes now. <laughs> so, you know, we got in there and started doing that. And it literally just fell in my lap like that. I remember winning a show one time and the news crew came up just like, we just want to get a few words, um, you know, and just tell us a little bit about your car. I, I wouldn't do it. I told him, I was like, no, just do this guy over here. I can't do it. Like, I would not do it. Mm. So, um, yeah, I've come a long way. <laughs> I, say, I never yeah. would have guessed you had issues at all. <laughs> no, I, I've come a long way. I, one of my old teachers is actually one of my daughter's teachers now. Oh, and, uh Yeah, so we'll actually see them Monday. They have a little 50s day at school, so we'll drive a couple of cars over there. And every time I see her, she walks up and she's like, I just can't believe it. She's like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even talk to me. Like, you know, <laughs> like, I know, I don't, I don't know what happened, but something, something changed. Somebody got it out of me somewhere. Yeah. Have you had anyone recognize you just off the street out of the blue? Yeah, all the time. Really? Yeah, it's, it's all the time. It's not as bad now because I, I think because of the digital world. You know, gotcha. everybody's famous now, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody on YouTube and all that stuff. But when I started out in TV, you know, that stuff was already there, but it wasn't as big. So I would get that almost every day. Um, I had one day where I was at the grocery store and a guy was like, hey, man, hey, I love your show. You know, I was like, hey, thanks. You know, appreciate you watching. And I drove home and then the guy pulled up in my driveway. And that was the moment where I was like, okay, this is, <laughs> this is getting a little weird now. Uh... So I had a few of those things, but it's not as bad now. You know, we'll typically, I'll, I'll be in Walmart or something and somebody say, hey man, love the show. And that, you know, that, that's it. But yeah, yeah, I get it quite a bit, you know, still to this day. Okay. So you teased it a little bit, but I know from talking with you, this is a family business. You've yeah. got your wife involved and obviously the kids I'm sure at the shop. So one of the things that we want to highlight is, as Cam said, like being in the business, but kind of talk about the family being involved with it. Yeah. So Kim, my wife, she basically at the end of the day really runs the business side of things. Luckily, I've, I don't really have to hop over there and touch any of that. Or if I did, I probably wouldn't be able to work on anything or we'd have to hire somebody else to do it, you know. Um, but she can hop in and, and do that. And she's great at it. Um, she knows cars as much as I know cars. Most of the guys that work for us are like, man, I can't believe how much she knows. She's one that can look at a Mopar and see the number tag on the fender well and tell you what color it should have been, what engine it should have had, what, you know, all that stuff. Mm. That's great because a lot of people that you put in that position probably wouldn't know that end of the field. So it makes my life a lot easier, but she can kind of handle the guys that way if, if something were to happen or, you know, I hate somebody were to get in trouble. Yep. <laughs> um, it sometimes doesn't have to be me because I'm, I'm still out there working side by side with them. So it, it makes life a lot easier all the way around. Um, the kids, yeah, they're up there a lot. Um, JB, he's my youngest. He's our only boy. We've got four. The three girls, they're like, eh. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, this car, whatever, Dad. I see cars every day, you know. Like, yeah, whatever. But JB, that kid is something else. Like, he's five, and he can tell you what car's what all the way down to us trying to, you know, figure out, like, hey, these these three Camaros in the first generation, one had a one had a vent window, one, two didn't, you know, two years didn't, all this kind of stuff. So he's even get to the point where he can decipher, like, that's a 67 Camaro, Dad. So, um, and this little new mini truck we built that's kind of been the, the big thing here lately for us, we took a 2022 Ford Maverick that they released and we built a 90s rendition mini truck because that's what I came up doing. So we did all this 90s paint and all this. Well, now it's JB's truck. Oh. It's completely <laughs> JB's truck. It's If I drive it, it's like, Dad, why are you driving my truck? Now he's five. <laughs> we just did a blow-through sound system where we completely cut the back of the cab out and did a huge sound system so we put a camper top on the back and now he's pissed because, Dad, why'd you turn my truck into a van, you know? <laughs> so he, I think he's going to have it, you know? I think once he gets a little older, he's always wanting to be at the shop and try to work on something. So I think he's going to have it for sure. It sounds like you've got a great team. You can trust, I mean, obviously it's your wife, so hope you trust her, but you can trust her to really handle the billing, the day-to-day business, so you can focus on the art. You can really be there. And so much of it is we tell people, you've got to trust your team. You've got to make sure you've got the right people But um, the other thing that we do is we do a lot of workforce development, and we did a whole episode on how going and getting these degrees and deciding you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, it's not for everybody. You need to explore options. And with you saying this is a dying art, I mean, would you ever be up for if somebody was interested just to kind of give you a call and talk about it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is a dying art. It's like it's so many things that I see lately. And I mean, I could be wrong about some of this, but I think we've talked about it uh, plumbers, drywall guys, uh, roofers, you know, and I realized that from calling around trying to get someone to work on my house and nobody shows up. And I'm almost to the point now, you know, when I was growing up, it was like, go to college, go to college, go to college, get a degree, be a lawyer, be be all that stuff, which is all fantastic. Yeah, I kind of wish I still would (laughs) have, you know, but you know, I tell my kids now, it's like, you can be hands on and really at the end of the day, make all the money in the world if you really wanted to. If you can put a small team together or do anything and be a plumber or all that. Like I'm, I'm all for the hands-on stuff now because I see it's just, it's all across the board, not just in our industry, it seems like. Okay, so we got a question on here. What's the coolest car or cars that you've had your hands on or done? I know you've talked about some of them. That is probably the hardest question you could have ever <laughs> asked me, ever. <laughs> You know, it probably wouldn't be what you think just for the fact of how we build cars. So let's say if it were an original car, I would maybe say like one of these Superbirds or Daytonas, like there were only 1,900 or so of these made because they were built for NASCAR, right? So there are none and they're really odd looking. They got a huge nose and a big wing. If I were building something original as far as like American stuff, I would go, I would go that route or we've done a couple of 66 Chevy 2s that wouldn't sound like much, but they're factory GM race cars. There were only like 200 of these built. So a lot of research goes into those kind of cars, but we build more modified stuff, you know? So I would say like the 46 Hudson that we're doing right now is probably going to be my favorite truck. We we picked that truck up from Mike Wolf off American Pickers. Okay. And he found that truck. My customer went and bought the truck from Mike. They came down to the shop. We did some of that. So this one is crazy built. So... Yeah, I think, and I think at the end of the day, it's probably everybody in my situation. It's whatever I'm working on right now, I think. Gotcha. You know, I look back at the other ones and I go, man, we've built some cool stuff, but I like this one I'm doing right now way more than that one. And I I think it's always what I've got my hands on 
is what's my favorite. So then are each of the kids going to get a built car or are you going to go buy something for them? You know, we struggled with that <laughs> a little bit. I think JB's already got his picked yeah. out. So he, he can have that one. Yeah, my oldest daughter, she just turned 15. So I even told her in the, in the truck on the way to school this morning, she has no interest in any of it. I'm like, you need to go get your permit. You know, we need to do that. She's like, eh, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, you need to be thinking about what car you want. You know, do you want to, you know, because we do have cars that we could build something out. She could have a cool car at school. Eh, you know, I don't know. That. I'm like, you want a BMW? Do you want a, do you want a Honda? Do you want a what? Anything. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so for me, that's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely worst thing. So yeah, um, the other two girls, I I don't know yet. I can't figure it out. I'm I'm just counting on JB, man. He's the one that's that's bringing it in. I'm gonna throw my husband under the bus. I've always wanted an old car, and then he's always said, "Well, if you have an old car, you have to know how to work on them." Is that true? I say so for okay. the most part. I mean, I, I I don't know if that's. I just know you. Then I'll just call you. Yeah, you. <laughs> there you go. I don't know if it's necessarily a hundred percent true. I guess that's if you don't mind spending the money always for someone to work on your car. So typically. Let's say if I handed you a turnkey car, you're probably not going to have many problems with that because you've got a modern drivetrain. You've got some of the cars we built recently run off a tablet. So there's an iPad there. You can wow. tune it from the seat. You can start it. Your radio, you know, it's, it's so modern that hmm. there's normally you're not going to, you still go to the parts store and they can plug in the, the scanner and tell you what's wrong with it. But if you go buy that daily driver, still carbureted, just old school car, uh -huh. which is to me the coolest still. Yeah, you're going to have to work on that thing. Stuff's going to happen to it. Okay. So, yeah, I'd say getting your hands dirty is probably a good thing if you're going to if you're going to have one of those. So basically, Katie, if you're buying an old car, you're buying a customized car. It's got an iPad in it. You're going to need that. That's Maybe the way I it can is. learn. Mm, okay. <laughs> Here's what we'll do. We'll, we'll Tesla swap you something. Okay. And then, you know, <laughs> it's all right there. Okay, so I know a lot of people are probably listening to this and thinking it money. To do something like you've talked about on any of these, like what kind of dollars are you talking about to the customer and I mean, everything? Yeah, that's that's all across the board. I mean, it, it's, it varies so much that it's even hard for me to estimate them sometimes. Okay. Um, it's, let's say we're building an original car. You want a 71 Cuda, you know, and you want it right on the money, 100 point car. You could probably build that for less than 100 grand. You got to think, you know, you're you're still going to have 30, 40 grand probably in parts. The labor's pretty simple because you're just you're basically putting it back together how it should have been. Yeah. Now, on the other side of that, if you want to cut one up and like go for the Riddler and do all this stuff, you know, you could easily spend a half a million dollars on one. Not that that's necessarily what all we have in our shop. Our shop probably averages, you know, 150-ish grand to build a nice resto mod car that's going to win every show probably you go to or most of them. But you can still drive it and enjoy it, and it's not so overly nice that you cannot get in it. Like I said, you've got builders out there now that are spending over a million bucks to build cars. So, wow. like I said, it is just, it varies so much that it doesn't even make sense. So, I'm guessing somebody probably, like, since you said it's hard to estimate, that you more, like, kind of set up a contract. Like, hey, we think it's going to be this. Here's a down payment. For sure. Because what happens is, this is with anything else, I think. And I always, always tell customers this story, you know, and just, uh, hopefully they understand understand it this way it's like okay you know we've sat down we've talked about it we figured out how you want to build this thing but i know you're going to change your mind a hundred times we both know that's going to happen <laughs> so you're building a house you've got an estimate on building this house you know you've got an 
every way you want it to be. But then, you know, you get to the countertops and you go, well, I don't want those. I want the marble or mm -hmm. the granite. Uh -huh. And I want custom made cabinets. And that $500,000 house just went to $800,000. A car is the same exact way. And it all depends on parts too, which is hard. We've got a truck in there now that we're just starting on that has about 140 grand just in parts and I've not touched it yet. So wow. it, that is a whole nother aspect of it that you have to try to figure out what parts do you want to run, you know, because you can go buy a $100,000 chassis. Yeah, it's all over the board. Have you had issues with supply chain that, I mean, I know it's getting a little better, but with COVID, the supply chain issues, has that trickled down to you? Yeah, it's gotten no better for me. Okay. Uh, we, we don't see anything. It's... It's so bad. We, we've been waiting on AC units for a year at a time. I ordered a transmission that we've been waiting on for nine months. Completely halts our builds most of the time. The customers, for the most part, understand what's going on because a lot of those guys are business owners. So, you know, they, they know. But it's still, at the end of the day, hard for them because they're like, I just want my car. And I'm like, I, I want it out of here. Trust me. So I can move in the next one. But yeah, we've had almost every part you can imagine from sheet metal to wheels, tires, whatever it may be. We, we've been waiting on everything. Since, say, March 2020, when, the, when COVID hit and everything went to hell in a handbasket, how much would you say the average length of time it is for you to finish a build has changed? That's changed dramatically, too. So we were typically... Uh, doing a build and you know roughly a, a couple of years year and a half maybe mm -hmm. and that's because we have so many builds i would say now at stretching it out to three to four years of build wow. just sometimes waiting on the parts now mm -hmm. some that we've been lucky enough to get parts it still stays in that that kind of year and a half range but it's it's rare now you know and we, we build longer anyway we keep so many builds so we can You've got your millionaire guys that'll come in and want to build, and they just want it right now. You know that that's fine with them. They don't they don't care. But we're still able to build for the everyday guy with an average salary because if he let's say we work on it for three months and um, he goes, oh man, I need to slow down for a minute. We can do that because we've got more projects lined up over there. So we've kind of figured out a way we can build for everybody. Mm. It just makes our bills go a little bit longer. Yeah, you got what are the three words? Fast, cheap, and good. You can pick any two. <laughs> yep. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you kind of answered because I was thinking like, what is the type of clients you get that it's not just, it's like people who are passionate about it or going to race it, just a wide variety? Yeah, we get a wide variety of it. So, you know, we've got one one customer in particular, he just wanted like a cool car to drive. So we built him that. Would that would be me. I'd be yeah. like, make me something cool. Yeah. So we had a Camaro. <laughs> we did LS powered, a little bit of custom paint, but it's just, it's just this badass car that just, it's just a lot of fun to go drive. But then he turned right around and we're building like a full blown autocross race truck. So I think most of the time, these people, they, they like a little bit of everything. But I'd say what we see the most is um, normally it's business owners, I guess you would say. And they're just, most of the time, they want something better than the next guy is typically the <laughs> way that's going. And we've got, you know, a handful in there that they bought them new, you know, back back in the day or their dad bought it new. We've got a lot of those. And we're luckily, they're not coming in going, my dad bought it new. I want to keep it just like this. They're going, yeah, we bought it new and I get to keep it. But man, let's cut this thing up and make it cool. <laughs> like, you know, and that's up our alley. So, yeah, it, it's all across the board with that, too. Let's get existential for a moment. What motivates you to get out of bed every day? Man, knowing that I get to walk up to that door, put that key in, nobody's around me. And I, as soon as I open that door and I see just like a sea of hot rods that are laid out on the ground, big wheels, 
I know I'm going in that day and I'm going to get the custom paint or metal fabricate or something like that. There's not a day that, I mean, and I'm serious about this, there is not a single day that I wake up and go, man, I just don't feel like going today. And, and I've thought about that recently with, you know, the generations, I guess, after me or, or whatever is, um, I feel like a lot of them are just like, there's no motivation to, to work. So they're like, man, I just don't want to go today. You know, or every guy we hire, it'll they'll show up, you know, for 40 hours a week, and then it'll be one day they don't show up, and one day they're like, man, I just don't feel like doing it today. I'm like, <laughs> like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I can't, it doesn't even, like, work in my brain that way, you know? Like, I can't wait to get there. That's the American dream, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, for me, yeah, for me it is. But, you know, I'm grateful in the fact, and, and I realize this, I potentially threw away two careers that I thought would be good careers to do this. So there was a scary point in my 20s there where I was like, I have thrown my life away. So to be able to do this now, to build cars, to have awesome customers, uh, you know, to get to do TV, I mean, that's great. And now I don't look back on it and go, okay, I wish, I really wish I would have done this other thing now. So luckily it worked out. Mm-hmm. I'd be in a bad spot right now. Because let me tell you, my, my parents were not happy with me for a little while. Really? But, but it worked out. They're, they're proud now. But I mean, but it sounds like you believed in yourself. You followed your passion. And it's, you know, you got to keep going. But if you've got the motivation, you found what you love to do. Sure. I'm just so lucky to be able to do that. You know, I was... I was playing baseball. We thought that was going to be the thing. And I was building these cars and I was just like, man, but I love building the cars, you know? So I stopped the baseball thing and and just went with that. Man, it worked out great. So yeah. And to me, it's like, I think about that too. It's, you're not too old to stop and follow whatever you want to go do. You know, you can, I am a prime example. You can make anything you want happen because I never thought in a million years I'd do any of this stuff or be able to even do the stuff I did before this. So, yeah, it's like, man, you got something. Go for it. That's interesting. So you said you thought baseball was the thing. Are we talking like you thought you might be major league level baseball player? So I did not think I would make it to the top level Mm -hmm. of baseball. Now, single A is where we were talking, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I had signed a scholarship to play. Now, I played in college for a little while, and that was when I was i was just like, I, I want to go focus on cars. And it, like I said, it pissed everybody off. But mm. we thought single aid would make it happen. We, we had a few chats here and there, you know, and we were talking no money, uh, you know, and you get fed and you get a room. And I was like, man, I just, it just doesn't sound like me. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't see the bigger picture like my dad and mom saw. Like um, here in Memphis, so you've got, Tim Doolin over there. He's uh-huh. and I was going to him back in the day and his guys. I played for Charlie Lee, who was a Redbirds announcer here. He was a pro baseball player. I played for him for a long time. And um I didn't think about signing that contract to say I was pro mm-hmm. and then going and training and charging, you know, bukus of money to show your kid how to swing a baseball bat, which would have been the coolest, easiest, <laughs> I think most rewarding thing you could ever do. Minus building these cars. Uh, but yeah, I didn't look at it that way. So that was kind of the the goal I think everybody else had for me that I wasn't really picking up on. Mm-hmm. Is there some type of car or year or something that if somebody walks in, you're inside, you're kind of like, oh, I do not want to work on that. Yeah. So about a mid 80s or so Mercedes. Okay. We built a couple of those. And to me, they were just the biggest nightmare ever. <laughs> Um, everything in them was vacuum, kind of like your Corvettes were and, and all that. But it seemed like it was never going to end. And I, I'll have to I'll have to go back on my what I said earlier. 
that may have been the only time I walked in the door and went, I don't want to be here today. You know, that, I think it was just that one car, but there, there's a lot of them like that. We've got a 54 Sunbeam in there we're building right now that you cannot get anything for. Mm-hmm. And um, that one's challenging, but I like those challenges. But that Mercedes, I didn't like that challenge for some reason. I'm not going, I'm not going back to those. <laughs> do you still have nightmares about that Mercedes? Yes, I do. I, actually, what my nightmare is that the customer calls back and goes, hey, I'm starting to have a little issue with something and I just want to hang the phone up probably. <laughs> but luckily, it's been great for him and you know he's, he's had nothing. We did a research. I know a lot more about that car than I ever care to know. Oh, gosh. I mean, I feel like you'd have to when somebody comes in like, you're not only doing the manual labor, you've got to do research and figure out the plan and everything with it. For sure. You've got to have a, have a really good game plan in the beginning. The modified builds, they're a whole nother level of that because you're actually sketching it and rendering it before you even start on it. So luckily with that, all that works in the beginning and we have a good game plan for where we're headed. The other cars, like the factory Chevy 2 race cars, you know, that the owner of those is so picky that however many shims... So one of them, he bought new in 66. He knows how many shims were in the, you know, the fenders, the door, the markings that were on. He's got all that. So we had to go through and build that car to match how many shims were in it as opposed to shimming it to get the right gap or, you know, stuff like oh, that. Gosh. And um, yeah, I know more about a Chevy 2 than I'm probably should too but those were really awesome cars to build just because they were so rare i've never seen your show but i've watched a lot of car shows over the over the years and i was just wondering what you think of all the different you know there are at least three or four different mod shows on on netflix right now for instance what what do you think of that do you have time to watch those what do you think of the what they're doing as far as automotive shows mm-hmm. you mean, yeah, yeah. yeah so most of those i've i've not watched i've tried to watch some of them here and there, and I find myself, I'm 10 minutes in, and I've turned the channel. <laughs> now, I don't necessarily sometimes think that's the show's fault. I think being on TV has changed TV a little bit for me because mm-hmm. I see things that drive me, like I see a light stand or, you know, it's just weird little things that have kind of changed it for me where I'm like, oh, man, that just, that sucks. Yeah, there's some that I really like. I still really like all the Motor Trend shows, though, and I'm, that might be because that's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Ken Diggett, they've got um, Bitchin' Rides. That's probably the best show I think I've seen as far as, like, a reality building a car. And I think the way he did it, that whenever I got to talk to him for a minute, was typically if they're building a car, the television show, they don't care about the car, obviously. it's it's They're making TV, mm-hmm. and that's all that's about mm-hmm. is TV. What he ended up doing was flipping that on him, and apparently it took him a long time to work this contract out because he said, no, if you want to do TV here, you have to do TV around my builds. And so when I watch that show, Mm -hmm. it's just another level of building, and those guys are master craftsmen. It's unbelievable to watch that one. So if you watch that and then you you find a different one, like on Netflix or something mm-hmm. like that, it just it just does not compare to me. So it makes it, you know, not that they're hard to watch, but a little No, that makes sense. A lot of times the shows, the, the big thing of the show will be, how are we going to create drama in this in this particular build? Oh, yeah, it's build? like they don't what, have money yeah. or something how, how, how what's, what's wrong with this build that's going to make it seem yeah. like it may not work out right. That's where I know from being involved in all this that, and that's what kills it for me that I know that's all fake. Mm-hmm. Most of the time that is, all of that is fake. I guess what, you know, might not be as popular, but what I like about doing the how-to is I'm just trying to teach you what I know. 
and even people that don't work on cars come up and say, man, like, I don't think I could ever do it, but that was really cool. How, like, I never knew they did it that way. Mm-hmm. And th- that's rewarding in itself. But yeah, throwing wrenches and, you know, all that kind of stuff, that's just, <laughs> that's not where it's at for me. I mean, you know, some people love to watch that stuff, but yeah, I'm, I'm not for it really. Okay, I've got one more question. I'm going to say one more question. We'll see. Competition wise, is it kind of a, I mean, you said that you talk to each other. Is there more of that, like, hey, you could call somebody from another shop, I'm having this issue with this, or I'm trying to brainstorm. Is there, there everybody works together, or is it a true, like, oh, I, you know, competition, we're competing with everything? That's what I love about this industry, that, at least for me, there is no competition. Okay. And it does not matter how big the builder is, no matter what. They come to me, I go to them, if I've got a question, or it's just like, man, I've never done that before. Like, how can I get to that end result right there and they'll happily give you that i've never had somebody go i'm not telling you how i did that buddy (laughs) i've never had that happen ever so yeah i have people call me all the time and I, i love that world and i think for me what helps that is you know coming up doing baseball and stuff that teamwork aspect yep. i know good and well that i i'm not going to be able to know everything all the time and i learn stuff every day and that's why i i love it because i can call any one of those guys well it sounds like if your books are years out then there's enough work for everybody absolutely i say that same thing all the time there's enough work to go around in this industry for everyone if somebody put a hot rod shop across the street from me it wouldn't bother me a bit because i know they're probably not going to get my work and even if they did we're still going to get it you know yeah. Because we're we're literally having to just tell people like, I'm sorry, man, I'm not going to be able to get to you unless it's something really cool. So anybody <laughs> listening, you know, if you got something cool, that's, that's a different story. But if you come in with a original build that's just, you know, kind of boring, I'm a probably mi- seeing you somewhere Mercedes. else. <laughs> Do not bring me a Mercedes. But I think it makes it where you can have that creativity. You can be choosy on who you want to work with, what you want to do. And if someone's got a bad attitude or it doesn't seem like a good idea... Go work with somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I love every bit of it. customers, you know, or, or clients, everybody. Everybody's got a good attitude all the way around. You know, okay. it's um, everybody understands what we're trying to do. You know, they understand I'm trying to take care of them and I'm trying my best to save their money as much as we can. So, you know, they all know and understand that because, and I see it because a lot of the builds we have in there are repeat customers. And that's crazy for me to think about, especially back then, because if you spend that kind of money to build a car, I'm I'm thinking that's the only car you're going to build. But then they bring another one and they bring another one and they bring, and now they've got a collection of cars we've built for them, which helps me to know like, okay, we're we're doing this right. We're, We're making them happy. And they're thrilled with what we're doing for them, that or they wouldn't come back. Okay, so you have these clients that are bringing cars in that they want you to build for them, but I get the impression that you're also doing builds that are just for your own shop. For like, TV. Like for instance, <laughs> the cars that you're doing to to take to to the SEMA is that mm-hmm. yeah? Are those a client's cars, or are those cars that you're just building, and then once they're done at SEMA, you'll you'll put them in the showroom? Or so most of the ones that we build to go to SEMA, they are they are customer cars most okay. most of the time. This year it's different. I one of them is mine, mm-hmm. which you know that's I'm I'm happy about that. I'm glad we've got one to do now. I would build probably a car a year for myself if my wife would let me do that. <laughs> so we, we've built her Akuda, obviously my Mustang. We've got a handful of cars, and I've probably got 10 that are ready to be built in the back. And if I bring up that I'm going to build one of those cars, <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> things don't go so well. So, 
you know, I'm trying to dial that back a little bit, but I've got a 61 Impala bubble top back there that's pretty rare that I'm itching pretty badly to build. And if she's even in this building somewhere, <laughs> she knows she knows it. I bet she can feel it right now. It's like Spidey sense. Exactly. Well, yeah. I think we need to have a Pickler car show event. That needs to happen. <laughs> That's a good idea. We we build for so many people out of Memphis. There's a ton of our cars out here. Exactly. So, you know, yeah. our parking lot. Just get some of your cars. Mm-hmm. We'll do a little, you know, barbecue. Here you go. That sounds yeah, awesome. Right? <laughs> That'd be a good time. Yeah. 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 Jeremy, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to tell our listeners about you or about the shop? Man, if it's something you want to do, just go after it. I think I've said that to so many people so many times. But yeah, that's pretty much it. And yeah, come by and see us. We'll show you around. Okay, let oh. me ask one final question. <laughs> just your show. I know you said it's a motor trend show, but where can we find it? From what I understand with this, if you have any basic television at all, Mm-hmm. you know, Motor Trend will be on there. Okay. So, you know, I don't I don't know what runs in this area, but apparently even if you have the basic package okay. that it's supposed to be on there. Okay. Now, we're owned by Discovery Channel, so they try to make sure I think we're out there and we're on, but I think we're 10 o'clock Saturday mornings. Very cool. And the name of it again? Car Fix. Perfect. I'm just doing some math here. <laughs> maybe, maybe down the road, Warner Brothers Discovery is, they're joining forces. They're, they're merging Discovery Plus and HBO Max, so eventually it'll just be HBO Max, and they'll have all the Discover shows, Discovery shows, and all the HBO shows. So I'm going to be watching HBO Max to see if it pops along on there because I don't have any sort of cable. But man, if I could find it on a streamer, I'd be I'd be watching. It. Yeah. So sure they've got the Motor Trend app, which I think the last I talked to them, they were trying to figure out a way to make that free. Mm. I think it's like three bucks a month right now. So you know, okay. it's nothing to steal mm. and get all of those automotive shows. That'd be and the show I was on before Truck Tech. Um, you know, I still have people sending me messages that they're they're watching it. You know, in Hawaii or something. So it's it's. <laughs> still airing all over the place too cool good to know good to know yeah and we're gonna attach uh some pictures for sure we want you to send some pictures to the cars so we can put with this episode so everyone can see your incredible work absolutely i'll be happy to send them over ladies and gentlemen there's the closing bell you've made it to the end of yet another episode of the bullcast podcast if you liked what you heard and you'd like to hear more please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service and sign up to have it beamed directly to your device every single thursday at noon if you'd like to find out more about me katie or cameron we have a website that website is bullcastpodcast.com go there read about us leave a comment suggest a topic if there's something you'd like to hear us talk about and or if you maybe want to be considered as a possible guest on our show please drop your name in there and we'll get in touch with you i will take a pause to my normal outro to say jeremy do you have any sort of website or social media that you would like them to follow all right so our website is the hot rod shop ms.com now we're, we're building that site again right now so it's going to be pretty cool and then instagram's where i like to be so at the hot rod shop ms we get a uh, you know we, our reach i think right now has been like 1.3 million a month or mm. something like that mm. so the reach is good and facebook i don't like but we're on there <laughs> are you on tiktok no tiktok for me <laughs> yeah. ladies and gentlemen we are on facebook we have a fan page on facebook that's the bullcast podcast 
Uh, we also have the Instagram. We have pictures on Instagram. If you'd like to see those, you can go to the at Bullcast Podcast. And then, of course, we have words on the Twitter. That handle is at Bullcast Podcast as well. Finally, we have mentioned mm, pretty much every episode ever that we work at a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors. And if you'd like to find out more about what we do at Pickler Wealth Advisors, our team, our amazing team, hello guys that listen, and our boss, David Pickler, please feel free to go to that website. That address is Pickler Wealth Advisors. Advisors.com. That's advisors with an O. Not an E. Ladies and gentlemen, we have given you everything you need to go forth and build your own car. So for now, <laughs> I'm Court. I'm Katie. I'm Cam. And thank you, Jeremy. We're out. Ooh.